We just thank Good morning, everybody. It's um, a joy again and a privilege to be able to uh, share the Word of God. It's easy to um, come up to this point regularly and um, preach doing something that in some ways I've done for many decades in different places and different situations. Um, but I come again with the desire that uh, we might meet in, with the presence of God and the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon us as we share together. And um, I was just thinking before I, I stood up that I just want to give you a, a picture in your mind. I hadn't in, intended to do this, but I'll give a picture in your mind um, to imagine this morning that you're in that place where you know you need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of the Lord. And um, if you think of a desert place or a, a place where there's great need, often naturally in a place like that, when you get up in the morning, what do you find on the ground? You find it dew. And I want you to imagine that the presence of God and the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit can come to us even this morning in that way like a refreshing dew to bless our lives. We ask, Lord, that you'll do that, meeting the needs that we have, Lord, meeting us where we're at this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, uh, the title that I have for this morning is The Dew of His Presence. D-E-W, The Dew of His Presence. I guess if you're a Norfolk person, you might slay that a bit differently. Um, do. Um, but then I don't want to confuse you by using the wrong word. Um, so I'm talking about the dew, the dew of his presence. I want just to share some scriptures first. And I'm excited about, I've got a particular passage um, in the Bible I want to come to. Um, I hope I'll get to it. Um, and uh, I want to say that when you look into the scriptures, you can find that there's an association between the dew and the presence of the Lord. And the blessing of God. I want just to share some scriptures to, to demonstrate what I'm, what I'm talking about. And so I want to just share a few of those. Firstly, um, in Genesis, you remember when Jacob was naughty. And he, he and his mother decided that they would go into Isaac pretending that this was the meal that Esau was going to bring. And he came in to his father Isaac, Jacob did, pretending, didn't he, to be Esau with the hairy arms. Um, I've got a few. Anyway, um, I'll roll my sleeves up and get down to business here. Um, so he, he did that, and he deceived his father Isaac, didn't he? And then he was able to receive a blessing. He was sort of, he was stealing Esau's birthright. And when Isaac prayed over 
Jacob, or, or over, yes, over Jacob. This is what he said. He said, <coughs> the, um, may God give you of heaven's dew. That was the blessing that he prayed over him. And so then, as you know, the story is that in comes Esau. He's, he's been out there and he's caught the game and he's all up for being blessed by his father and receiving the blessing that his father has to give to him. But of course, uh, Isaac is no longer free to be able to do that because he's already given this blessing uh, to Jacob. And this is interesting. This is what it, it says um, in terms of how... Uh, Isaac responds to Esau. He says, your dwelling will be away from the earth's rich richness, away from the dew of heaven above. And that was the word that he spoke over him. And I want to straight away encourage us that we have a birthright as sons and daughters of God, that God wants to bring us that sort of blessing into our lives, like a refreshing dew. It's something that's full of life, energy, power, loveliness, it's majestic, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. It's to do with the presence, the royalty, the authority, it's to do with God. And in, this is in Genesis 27 that I've just read from. But there's a picture here I want to suggest to us this morning that this is the heart of God for us. To say, I want to pour down on you this refreshing dew of my presence. And that just as that was a part in this picture, in these prophetic words, a part of the birthright, as I looked at this, I thought, well, can this not be my birthright? That I can receive the blessing of God in my life and it will be like the dew descending on me. So I would encourage us to think of it in that way that the dew of the Lord's presence can fall on our lives and we can be aware of it and we can know that it has actually happened. Towards the end of Deuteronomy, we read that Moses is pronouncing, he's pronouncing blessings. You remember he pronounces blessings over the different tribes of Israel. And when he comes to speak about Joseph, he says this. He says, may the Lord bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above. Bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above. And that he goes on to talk about, therefore, there being a fine yield, there being fruitfulness, there being fullness, and speaks about the favour of God. All these lovely things are linked to this idea of the dew coming down upon God's people. And then Moses also says, talking about Israel, when he speaks over Israel, he says, so Israel will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in a land of grain and new wine. And he says, where the heavens drop dew, blessed are you, O Israel. 
One of the psalms that you'll be familiar with is, is David's Psalm 133. And what does it talk about there? It talks about when brothers dwell together in unity. I guess we can include the sisters in that. But it's also, it says brothers dwell together in unity. And it talks about this beautiful picture, how the oil comes down on our heads. And this word is not for the ladies, but it then goes to our beards. Right? And it then goes over our robes. But then, what he went on to say is this. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So there's the oil and the dew. There's pictures there. And are they not pictures? I'm not stretching it, am I, to say this is like a picture of the Holy Spirit coming down upon us. The oil of his presence, the dew of his presence. You know, there are scriptures too that actually talk about the absence of dew. Do you remember when Elijah came to uh, King Ahab? And that wasn't probably a very great meeting between them. But Elijah says this, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, when I ser whom I serve... There will be neither dew or rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, he spoke to him in no uncertain terms there. Uh, King Ahab must have felt quite affronted, you know, this, this guy turning up and, and doing this. But one of the things that you can see is that the absence of dew is one aspect of the judgment of God. And the fact that here was an evil reign by this evil king. And that was one of the things. Yes, naturally, that happened. But I would suggest, too, there's a picture here that the reign of God's presence cannot fall so much upon what is evil, but upon what is righteous and lovely and good. And we stand... I was looking at this this morning. Nothing to do with this, really. But um, I would, this morning, I asked the Lord... Lord, is there something that you can give me that really helped me, encouraged me this morning? You sent me to Psalm 112. I opened it and looked at it. And one of the things that reminded me, it talks to a righteous man. And I thought, well, no, however many sermons I preach will not make me righteous. But I'm righteous in Christ. And I can stand this morning in Christ. And I was encouraged by that. The righteousness, because the Lord can bless what is righteous, but he cannot bless what is evil. And then I looked at this, um, coming back to, to this, um, I looked at Haggai. And you remember Haggai was the guy who was prophesying when the temple was being built and when they were really eager to uh, move forward, it was like a fresh move of God in his time, in, in his generation. But then what happened? They were so busy doing DIY at home and getting their, their wallpaper up and doing all that stuff in their houses, making their houses nice and fine, that the temple was neglected. And this, I find this interesting. Um, I've only took uh, sort of a snippet of one of Haggai's prophecies, but this is what he says. Therefore, now he's talking because of the, this thing about the houses and the neglect of the temple. He says, therefore, because of you, 
The heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. And that, that is, I find, an encouragement as well. That God can say to me, I can be affected by what I neglect. And here in this, in this prophecy, this is one of the prophetic words given by God through this man, that because there has been neglect of the house of God, then the dew of heaven is withheld. And so that, that made, that's a, a challenging word. And so I've got to then look at myself and say, well, is their neglect in me that is actually affecting the dew being my experience in my life? We remember too that, um, you remember the whole episode about the manna in Exodus, um, Exodus 16, that this particular verses are, um, that I've got down here. It says, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground, i.e. manna, appeared on the desert floor. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, that's, that's a lovely idea. And this is what it made me think by way of a word of encouragement for us this morning. Let me read what I've written down here to encourage us that we have a God who is well able to bring a layer of dew around our camp and give us the blessing of manna on the floor of our desert. I would just briefly pray into that because... We have a God who, who wants to do that. He wanted to do that for his people. For all those years, for decades, he provided them with the manna. And they had the quail and, and so on. And it, what just struck me was that if we feel this morning in a desert place, if we feel this morning, in, you know, I need manna to help me right now where I am. This is like, for me, it was like a prophetic picture to say, look, there can be a layer of dew that the Lord can provide for us. And there can be, when you look at that, and they look to the man and they, well, what is it? What is it? Which is what manna means, isn't partly, but um, the manna was there. It came at the time of the morning dew. Lord, I just want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray, Lord, that where we may feel in any sort of desert place, Lord, I pray for a layer of dew to descend around our camp. Lord, I pray that where we need that food, that manna, that spiritual food, that spiritual nourishment, that encouragement, that lifting up, that sustaining, Lord, let your manna come, even this morning, to lift, to sustain, to refresh, Lord, to give fresh vitality and vigor to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bye. <laughs> See you later. In the account of the manna, um, when you read in Numbers, 
it says this. It says, when the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. I liked reading that. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. That's Numbers 11, 9. And another encouragement that I felt that came from that is that that is what God wants. He wants there to be that settling of his dew, like, if you like, of his presence on our lives. And with that, there comes a feeding of our souls, a feeding of our spirits. So even, again, harping back to this morning, when I opened up this psalm and I'm sat there, it is like I'm enjoying something of the dew of his presence. And in that, without being in, in uh, danger of being diverted into speaking from the psalm, there were a whole number of things that came to me that were like, like manna to me. And that is what the Lord has for us. Uh, we're in a season, I think, which is exciting. And we've been, Vern and I have been talking about this quite a lot in recent days and in recent weeks. There's a sense that the Lord is bringing us into fresh season. And a part of that fresh season will be that we know this experience more and more of the dew settling on us and the manna being there provided for us and we'll feed and we'll get up and we'll go out in a different place than when we came in. And that's wonderful. That is the provision of God. I can't make that up. We can't make that up for ourselves. But we can receive it from, from the Lord. In the prophet, this is all introduction, by the way, um, where, the, where the prophet Zechariah brought the Lord's promises of blessings over Jerusalem, this is what he declared. He said, the seed will grow, grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dews. Because there are numerous places in the Bible like this that you could look at where it talks about the presence of God and the blessings of the Lord, and very often they're linked to harvest and fruitfulness and the favour of God and the blessing of God, and that's um, all a wonderful thing. And so... I think without more ado, I'd better get to this passage. Um, this, is the, this is in the book of Hosea. And um, I mean, originally, I was, today I was thinking of actually speaking on something um, quite different than this. But it was during the week, it was early part of the week, I was reading in Hosea, and I read through Hosea a couple of times, and this passage stood out for me. Um, and I, let me just read it to you. This is in Hosea 14. It's towards the end of the book. And is God speaking through Hosea to Israel? And some of you may be familiar with this. This is Hosea chapter 14 and verses 5 to 7. Hosea 14, 5 to 7. And this is what God says. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the corn. He will blossom like a vine. And his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. 
And it, that's what it says there. And it's a wonderful, wonderful passage. It's, it's prophetic. And it, it just fills you with the possibilities of what God can do with you. And I can only give just a brief overview of this, but in terms of Hosea, as probably many of you know, if you're familiar with the book, there's the picture of God as the husband, and Israel and Judah are like the wife. But the problem is, they are being an unfaithful wife. And they are seen as prostituting themselves with the other nations, and with the other nations' idols, which are wicked. And they're doing wicked things. And if you're familiar with the story, you'll know that as far as Hosea is concerned, he's actually married to a prostitute called Goma. And she is also unfaithful to him and spending time with other men. And this is the picture that is given to us there. And you can read through that prophecy and what you see um, is that there's the heart of the Father. You can see something about the coming of Jesus and something about the life of the Spirit. And I can't explore those very much, but those things are there. Let me just briefly touch on that before we come to this particular, these particular verses. Because it shows that the Father is reaching out to his people. And he's constantly saying, I want to bring you back. You are rebellious. Because of that sin and rebellion, you will be punished. There's a consequence for that rebellion. But at the same time, there's the heart of the husband reaching out for the wife. And there's the heart of the father. And across many prophetic words, <clears throat> these three things that I've mentioned, you see these again and again. The heart of the father, the, the idea of the coming of Jesus that being prophesied, and the presence and life of the Holy Spirit being brought out in different places. And so this is, this is God's heart. It's a God of love and compassion, but at the same time there's justice. And he will deal with the people if they will not turn back to him. But in the heart of that is God's desire that he's saying, I still want to have an intimate relationship with you as my people. Despite everything, I still do. But I will still judge you if that isn't, these things are not dealt with. The coming of Jesus, in this particular book, you find that the, the words uh, redeemer, saviour, healer, you have the word freedom, it talks about them being possible to be released from captivity, and in all of that, what that made me think of was Isaiah 61 and the prophecy there that Jesus picked up for his own ministry and his own life in Luke chapter 4 about how the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord would be on him. And he would do these things. He came to redeem. He came to bring freedom. He came to set people free. And he came to release the captives. And so you've got a picture in Hosea of the bride and the bridegroom and the desire for that relationship with one another. And then there's um, intimate intimations towards the life and the power and the presence of the Spirit. He looks forward to the last days when he looks forward to there actually being a king and a kingdom and where there will be blessings and where good gifts will be given and good gifts will be received. And for me, that spoke of the Holy Spirit without me sort of amplifying that 
uh, a lot more. So there is, within this book, there is that representation. Uh, as there is in many of the prophecies, you will find this, the heart of the Father, the, uh, pointing towards the coming of Jesus and pointing towards new life in the Spirit of God. So coming to this, this um, prophetic word here, God says, I will be like the Jew to Israel. I will be like the Jew to Israel. That means that he's saying, look, I want to be your source of nourishment. I want to be the one who feeds you and blesses you and strengthens you and encouraging, encourages you. And the fact is, this is God himself. He's saying this. This is how he is describing himself. So it's not me saying this is what God is like. God is saying, this is what I will be like. I want to be like the Jew to Israel. And I want to bless you. And I want to bring blessings into your life. I want you to be nourished by me. He wants each of us to receive that refreshing dew. Do you know in Proverbs 19.17 it says this. It talks about a king and about a king who gives favour. And Solomon says this. He says that, about a king who gives favour, his favour is like dew on the grass. And we have a king. We have a king who wants to give us favour. And that just spoke to me again. Who is this king who wants to give us favour? You can understand what Solomon is talking about. If, if, you've got the if you've got the ear of a king and you're the friend of a king, well, he can heap favours on you in that context of that friendship. And you can receive all sorts of things that other people may not be able to receive. But I thought of this, I thought, well, King, King Jesus, and under his favour, he can bless us. And it can be like this, like the dew on the grass. We have a king who wants to, to bring us favour. Now, I'd better just scoot through the rest of this, hadn't I? Um, very quickly. But there is, what there are in this, the verses that I've read to you, you may not have picked up on that, but if you count words, like I sometimes am tempted to do, frequently, um, then you'll find that seven times in this prophecy we have the word like. Okay, I read it to you. So there's a sevenfold blessing, which I can't massively amplified, but I want just to quickly take you through this and then draw to a conclusion with this this morning. But it says there that, and when it says he, it's talking about Israel, and I see that as a picture of ourselves, as the people of God. He will be like blossom, he will blossom like a lily. Now we may not all like this morning to be called a lily, but we are told that we can blossom like a lily. And um, I don't know of any, uh, we've got any gardening experts here who um, could tell us all about a lily. But from what I've, little bit I've found out is that, that in the springtime, when the, the fresh dews of spring come, and they hit, hit the lily, the lily, loves, <laughs> lily grows very quickly. And is also said to be able to produce quite a lot of other bulbs, about 50 other bulbs. And there's a sense of once it's the spring dews touch the lily, there's growth. And that's why you've got this idea of blossoming. And I mean, 
this is a good time to talk about blossoms, isn't it? Wherever you go, if you go to Falbrig or Blickling or look in your garden, you'll see there are lots of lovely blossoms about. And this is a picture of what God wants to do for our lives. He wants to, to bless us in that way. I always like this verse from Isaiah when he says, In days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. I think that's a lovely picture of, of us that we can bud and blossom and fill the earth with fruit. And Isaiah also prophesies this, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. And so this is one of the things that God is saying, that we can be like this, that we can be like this lily. Secondly, he says that we can be like a cedar of Lebanon. Um, we just had a quick walk in Felbrig yesterday and saw some trees and wondered, well, is that a cedar of Lebanon? And there are some massive trees there, aren't they? Great big girth around them. Um, and you, the picture of the tree of Lebanon isn't it, is it something really that is fairly immovable in some ways, and it's strong, and it's tall, and it's, it's sort of a secure thing. And it's seen because it's, it talks here about putting down roots. And there's a whole thing that we could say about that that is so vitally important because here it says the roots go down and then the shoots grow out. And so, as you know, that's an invisible thing in a sense. When we walked around, um, as I say, briefly around the garden yesterday afternoon, then we didn't see any of those tree roots. But what we did was we saw the growth and the shoots and, and everything that was above ground. And this is one of the things that God is doing in us. And the, the, to see the outworking of the visible, it will be based upon what's happening which other people do not see, what is out of sight, what's happening in our hearts, what's happening in our spirits, what's happening in our minds, how we are feeding ourselves. Because we can, we can keep trying if we want to, and I want to put these shoots out, but they won't come out if these roots are not going down at the same time. So we want the, both of those things to happen. So you have the cedar of Lebanon here. And then it goes on to talk about what else we like. It says, uh, his fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. And so that's another thing about the cedar of Lebanon. It's fragrance. And this is one of the lovely things that we are to be like. When the dew of heaven touches our lives, it produces a fragrance. And this is what is being said. I mean, you remember the words of Paul he said that uh, to the Corinthians that because of what God has done in our lives, we have become, before God, the aroma of Christ. Can you just imagine that? That before God, we can actually be the aroma of Christ. That's a beautiful thing to be able to say. But he also went on to say that we would have and bring to others the fragrance of life. That's being like the cedar of Lebanon. And in that picture, I was thinking of um, how the, the cedars were used in the, the buildings and in the temple. And they must have been a fragrance there. Whether that sort of clung to your clothes, sometimes fragrances cling to you. Do you then take them elsewhere? And someone, I mean, I visit a, a gentleman to, to, to have time with it, who's a smoker. And so... <laughs> If I've got a fleece on or anything of that kind, once I get back, you can tell where I've been because that is, is sort of um, hanging on me. 
Um, but I like this picture that the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance of the Spirit can be on us. Like a cedar of Lebanon is a lovely picture. That's a lovely truth for us. He also says his splendor will be like an olive tree. The olive tree is supposed to symbolize beauty and strength and prosperity. And I like this. What This is what David said. He said this about himself. He said, I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. And Jeremiah also says this to God's people. He says, the Lord called you a thriving olive tree with fruit beautiful in form. So that's something that we are to be like, like an olive tree. I don't know if anyone has got an olive tree or seen. You have got an olive tree. Right. So what do they look like? Do they look? <laughs> All right. Right. Good. Well, that, thank you for that testimony that they were flourishing. I'm glad you didn't say they all drooped and died. <laughs> um, Isaiah also is, is, encourages us this whole idea of splendor. The splendor, his splendor will be like an olive tree. And there's again, there's a whole raft of teaching you could bring out about this, but Isaiah talks about this. And he talks about the way, um, as he goes through his prophecies, that he says, the you will be endowed with splendor. He talks about splendor being on the people of God and that we display that splendor. They're called oaks of... Remember this? This is Isaiah 61. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. For what? For the display of his splendor. And so the... That is a, a wonderful thing that is for us as well. He will also flourish like the corn. I don't know if you ever thought the people of God being corny. But it says here he will flourish like the corn. And again, that picture, I mean, when you see the corn, you look on the fields. Initially, um, having been brought up in, in the farming country in Norfolk, um, you, you watch the seasons and you see the season when the, the land is prepared and then when the drill goes round and the corn is put in and then you have that period of time when you see just the earth, just the soil. And then eventually you see, like the hymn says, first the blade and then the ear and then the full, full corn shall appear. And you see that happening. But first, what's happening is something invisible. Again, it's out of sight. And so I think there's an encouragement again that is... What, what am I doing when, it, when I'm out of sight of other people? What am I doing with my life when it's in that place? Um, and so he will flourish like the corn. And the psalmist tells us the righteous flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And the, the last couple of things here that it says that we will blossom like a vine. And again, there's another biblical theme. I didn't realize there's so many uh, full biblical themes here. If you look in Isaiah 5 or Ezekiel 17, you've got this picture. And then there's God has called his people to be a vine. And he's, he's set them and he's tending them. He's caring for them. He's pruning them. He's protecting them. And he's watching over them as a vine. And there are many scriptures that you could bring to that. Then if you come back to the, uh, the, the New Testament, 
What do we see? What did Jesus say in John 15? That we really are all a part of a vine. And you can see that one of the things we are to be like is in the earth, which is what God wanted, even in the Old Testament, that there would be a people that would be like a vine that would spread and grow and develop and, and spread out and be fruitful throughout the world. And the same picture is there now for us in the New Testament, that we can be like that. And the other thing he says, that his fame will be like the wine. His fame will be like the wine. And evidently, as I looked at this, um, it talks about a wine that comes from Lebanon that has a really lovely flavor. Um, I don't know whether any of us have ever drunk wine from, that has come from Lebanon. Um, it had a flavor, a distinctive flavor and an aroma about it. And it was something that was talked about. It was famous, this wine. And it had evidently had medicinal and restorative um, qualities as well. But that just tells us that God wants us to be famous. He wants us to be known. He wants us to be talked about. And it's about his fame. It's about his honor. It's about him being celebrated. It's about his presence. So that actually um, we can look at one another and say, look, you are like a good wine. Um, you've got to be careful how you use the word aroma, of course. But we are to be like a good wine. And we are to be, in that sense, aromatic and fragrant and tasty for others to enjoy as well. So there, there are, um, as I said, we've skewed through them quite quickly. There are the sevenfold blessings of God that are in Hosea 14, verses 5 to 7. And just to finish with it, this, put words from Paul, and then I want us to be able to pray together. He says this, that we are to be conformed to the likeness of his son. All these seven things that I've just brought out are to do with what we are to be like. And in the New Testament, it brings you to that point to say, what are we to be like? We are to be like Jesus. And Paul also says, these, these verses I'm reading, that's Romans 8, 29, and in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, well-known words says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, I need to finish, don't I? I was just really blessed in seeing that, looking at that this week. And thinking of that picture, and I want us just to be encouraged to see that picture in our minds, that the Lord can be like that to us as a refreshing dew. And it's not something we actually force ourselves to do, but we just open to receive that. And then to encourage us too to have that increasing openness to that work of the Holy Spirit, because he wants to come to make us more like Jesus. I want to pray for us that in this season that we're in as a church family and we're in as individuals, that this will be what we experience, the dew of the Lord's presence. Because that will increase our fruitfulness 
our visibility and what God wants to do in us. Father, I thank you for your prophetic word. I thank you, Father, that we can see again this morning that you are so good, that we can see that our Lord Jesus has come to do so much for us and that we are encouraged actually to be like Jesus. And thank you, Lord, this morning too that we can see that the Holy Spirit does that work in us that we can't do for ourselves. And so, Lord, we pray afresh this morning for us as a church family, for us as individuals. Lord, have your way. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in us, to do your work in us. Lord, let us find moments where we just get so refreshed by your presence, the dew of your presence, that it produces life in us. It produces an overflow through us. It produces fruit. It produces life and significant things. Lord, do that in our lives, I pray. Lord, I just want to pray this morning too for, again, any who specifically need, needed to hear this word, maybe particularly this morning, that we need to be refreshed. I believe that there is an invitation to us this morning even as we go into this new week, that is saying, look, you need to be refreshed in me. You need to come to that place where the dew of my presence can refresh you in your heart, in your mind and spirit. We all need refreshing physically and mentally and emotionally as well as spiritually because we get overdone and overtired. Lord, I just want to pray over us this morning. Come refreshing dew. Lift, sustain, strengthen, encourage each one of us. We all have our needs. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our challenges and temptations. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to each one of us all that we need at this time, all that we need from you. We pray, Lord, that we thank you that we can receive. And I thank you this morning, Lord, that these words that are written by Hosea are the promises of God, the commitment of God. He said this, I will be like the Jew to Israel. And you can be like this. You can be like these things. And your life can be more vibrant and colourful, full of blossom, full of fruit, for the glory of God. Lord, let it be true in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.